So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. This is Mikko. I'm an InfoSec rock star. And I listen to Smashing Security podcast every time I go to a sauna. And I go to a sauna a lot. Smashing Security, episode 287, Lost in Translation, Spiders, and Slapping Tortillas, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 287. My name's Graham Cluley. Hi, and I'm Carol Terrio. <laughs> welcome back, Carol. We've had our little summer holiday, and we're back, folks, and we're joined by a special guest. Uh, Carol, who have we got in the hot seat this week? We have cybersecurity czar Miko Heapanen, who's just written a new book called... If it's smart, it's vulnerable. And we're going to chat all about that during your section, aren't we, today, Miko? Well, yes, we are. And thanks for having me, both of you, Graham and Carol. We love having you here, and especially on our first show after the holidays, which is going to be probably a car crash. So we're <laughs> glad someone like you is here to witness it. <laughs> We've forgotten how to make podcasts, haven't we? Exactly. <laughs> Four um, weeks off. Exactly. But let's, what, should we kick off, Graham? Should we try this? Sure. Go for it. All right. Well, now, before we kick off, let's just thank this week's sponsors, Bitwarden, Collide, and Gigamon. It's their support that help us give you this show for free. Coming up on today's show, Graham, what do you got? Oh, I'm going to be completely lost in translation. Ooh. Mika, what about you? Well, I'm, I'm just here to plug my new book. <laughs> That's good. And I will be entering the world of creepy crawlies. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Ustavat, Ustavat, chums, chums. Unsinul Panan Google Yan Kaul Autu. I'm speaking to you today via Google Translate because Miko Hippanen is in the room. And Miko, Did he make uh, any sense? This is this painful. <laughs> Please make it end. I, I am I'm trying to make you feel comfortable. I'm using Google Translate to uh well, use some of those phrases you may be familiar with. Uh, I, I've done some research online. I found that Finns, they aren't ever in a very bad mood. They're kun piercersin amutu kahu. 
Yeah. <laughs> like a bear shot in the ass. Is that does right? He, does he sound yes. like a native, yes. Miko? Yes. 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 Yeah. No, he doesn't. No, no. <laughs> no. It's, it's actually, it said, kuin perseeseen ammuttu karhu. That's how you would say it. Yeah, well, well more or less. It's kind more of sexy say. the way he says it. Um, uh, people aren't crazy. They have, uh, one of the moulins has left the valley or something, uh, is, is the phrase. <laughs> like having to go, a coupon short of a toast rack. Uh, all of these, all of these went for it. Fins don't apparently get big-headed. They have piss coming up their head. Is that right? Nusakusapahan? Nusakusapahan, indeed. Yes, okay. yes. How can you, can you describe that? Can you explain piss coming up to their head? Yes, yes. Basically, you know, if I, I suppose the idea is that if you never take a leak, eventually the piss will reach your brains. That's and <laughs> not taking a leak is big-headed? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's an unwise thing, maybe, in Finland. Although you'd think oh. with all that cold, it'd actually be sensible not to have a wee sometimes. But, Miko, I, I've never failed to be impressed by people who speak another language fluently. Um, you're at all impressed with me? I'm very impressed. This is the, Thank you. Yes, yes, this is, this, is, this is amazing. Well, I have to add you one of the phrases we use here, maybe the, the, the most Finnish of hmm. them all. When we tell someone to get the hell out of here, we simply tell them to ski to a c- and that beep you heard was uh for the benefit of our sponsors this week and our american (laughs) listeners (laughs) Um, but the the truth is it's not very easy for some of us to take on a foreign language and that's why many of us will use a translation tool like google translate google translate is amazing it's been around since 2006 Uh, we probably all take it for granted by now because it's been around over 15 years. Hundreds of millions of people are using it all, all of the time. Uh, it's not perfect, of course. Sometimes it struggles with some language combinations. I see that it's still not handling Klingon, for instance. <laughs> That's outrageous. Well, Karol, I'm not surprised you're outraged because, of course, you managed to convince the developers at Sophos to translate Sophos antivirus into Klingon not so many years ago. Well, I say not so many, 2009. (laughs) (laughs) In the before times. Mm. Mm -hmm. So that's what antivirus companies were busy doing rather than stopping malware, uh, translating their software into Klingon way back then. Um, (laughs) And just like Google, you know, people were suspicious of Google because they give you all these free tools, but of course they're really data mining you and finding out what you're up to and learning all about you. Well, um, both are true. I don't think those are mutually exclusive things, right? Well, no, but I mean, it, I mean, with the Klingon antivirus, we were also using that in an underhand way to find information about our customers. What? I, yes, yes. Shut up. You may have forgotten, Crow, that we did a press release naming the uh, capital cities for Klingon speakers around the world because we looked at, we analyzed the data for ah. where uh, the Klingon antivirus was being downloaded. Yes, where the next Klingon empire might show up yes. on Earth. We, we we were ready. And the number one city in the world, Helsinki. <laughs> <laughs> and who do we have here? Miko! Beats in Manchester. And I, 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 I can't explain that either. And I don't speak <laughs> Klingon myself. That's strange, isn't it? So why am I talking about Google Translate? Well... The boffins at Checkpoint have just released some research about some malware they've discovered just recently called NitroCod. What do you, what do you obviously have something to say about the name. What do you think about that name? What, NitroCod? Mm. Bit fishy. I could say that, maybe. <laughs> it's being an obvious one to do. But, I uh, missed you, Clue. I missed you. you. Yeah. yeah. They, they picked the name because the domain was available. Yes, probably. <laughs> NitroCod, it sounds like a fish superhero, really, doesn't it? Something from the Marvel Universe. But NitroCod 
is apparently um, crypto mining. Yes, people are still crypto mining. A crypto mining malware <laughs> campaign, which has infected computers in at least 11 countries. They reckon thousands of computers may have been infected. And okay. uh, what's interesting about it is that NitroCod has been distributed for years without anyone noticing on free software download sites. And these weren't download sites you'd never heard of at some dodgy domain.com. Uh, places like Softpedia, which is a fairly you know, yeah. well-established place where millions and millions of downloads are happening every day. And so NitroCod was being downloaded, uh, posing as tools with names like Google Translate Desktop. Mm. And the blurb for this download says that it's the desktop version of the free Google Translate online service that we all know and love says that it's 100% clean. <laughs> no, I, um, I trust that. Right. <laughs> and Google would never say that. Their lawyers wouldn't let them, probably. Their no, they would, would say, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we guarantee you nothing. You know, it won't, may well obliterate your drive. Who knows what? So why would you want a desktop version of Google Translate anyway? Yeah, why, why would you do that? I mean, if you have a computer, you could just go to the web. Yeah. yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. You would if you have an internet connection. I mean, there are situations possibly where you don't have an internet connection. Maybe maybe you're in the European Union, you've visited Europe, and uh, your country has left the European Union. And so <laughs> data plans are now very, very expensive when you go overseas. And so you think, oh, I'm turning off my bloody internet while I'm over there. But you but you want to translate, you know, avez-vous and baguette, uh, or whatever it is into... Well, that was actually in French, wasn't do it? You, do you have a baguette, Graham? Uh, not, not at the moment. No, Carol, right. I mean, it's not that sort of podcast. What do you... What do you <laughs> Well, just checking. Anyway, but um, it'd be handy to translate something, even if you're offline sometimes. But the weird thing is this. This desktop app actually works. The way in which it works is it runs a Chromium browser inside an app. So it takes you to... <laughs> what? Have you noticed there are quite a lot of these so-called apps which actually run a web browser inside a sort of frame? No. Uh, have you not seen this? Well, I don't it, download enough apps, I guess. Like what? Can you give us examples? Well, there, there, there are things like, for instance, you, uh, there may be like, oh, so Gmail, right? People use right. Gmail but and people want the Gmail user experience, but they'd like it in an app for their yeah. particular flavor of computer. And so you install this app and then you find out, hang on a minute, this is so much like Gmail. Oh, it actually is Gmail. What they've done <laughs> is they put a Chromium browser inside the app which is going to gmail what is the bloody point of this i don't know so you still need an internet connection for the darn thing to work so um not really as useful as you might imagine quite pointless really and of course some people choose to download it because they think that's what they really need uh and it's free and surprise surprise these particular desktop apps are malicious they don't really come from google of course mm. And even though they do translate your words because they're just running Google Translate in a browser inside an app, what they're doing is something rather fishy underneath, which is that after four weeks or so of you running it, something like a month after you first install it, it is actually beginning to do the crypto mining. It's beginning to mine for cryptocurrency in the background, using up your Windows computer's resources, chugging away while you're trying to translate my hovercraft is full of eels. <laughs> God, you're here, Miko. Thank God. Yeah, so, 
you know, it, it's doing all this dirty work, but it but it's deliberately taken a long time before it begins. And so the antivirus research labs, the people who are analyzing the malware or the automated systems which are analyzing files, trying to determine whether it's something malicious, well, they're not running for a month. They're not m- doing multiple restarts of the device. They're, they're, they're not going to that extent to see if anything strange right. ever happens. So what you're saying is they make it actually work for a long time and everyone's oh, yeah. like comfortable with how it works and then they start data mining. Exactly. Well, or not crypto data mining. mining. Crypto, crypto mining. mining. Yeah, yeah, crypto mining. And which I'm surprised. I didn't know anyone was still doing. I thought crypto mining was sort of a, a bit 2018. It's, it is a bit passe. It is. You know, well, it, it depends on what they're mining for. Obviously, not right. for Bitcoin or Ethereum. It's mm-hmm. going to be something more niche. But if there's money to be made, someone's going to try to make it like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's an attempt to avoid detection in sandboxes, and it's also looking for known virtual machine processes to see if someone's trying to analyze what it does inside of sort of secure bubble. It's also looking for security products if they're on the computer because if they are it thinks oh well i don't want anything behavioral picking up what i'm doing and then it will just simply export but according to checkpoint this has allowed this campaign to successfully operate under the radar for years and it's been unnoticed this turkish developer they say nitro card has been popping it out it's quite clever actually i mean not just from the point of view of, of security companies but also from the point of view of the victims i mean of course they might notice that you know my mm. fan is going crazy on my laptop <laughs> and my, my machine is really hot, but they don't really realize what's going on and which app it might be because they didn't install anything recently. If they installed something a month ago, they're going to forget all about it. And and also they're thinking, maybe I need to get a new laptop. It's not working properly. Well, it occurs to me that you could write a piece of crypto mining malware, which only activated during the summer months. So we've just had a heat wave across much of Europe. <laughs> it, a, a piece of malware could do a lookup at a local weather uh, site oh, or something. Oh, the climate crisis is actually a good thing. Is that what, is that it, what you're trying to say? say? Oh, you know, well, this is an ideal time to turn on the fan and all the rest of it and use up lots of GPU or CPU and all cycles on the computer because their fan's going to be going hell for leather anyway, trying to keep cool in this weather. Graham, once again, I hate the way you think. <laughs> yes. So here, here. <laughs> my advice: don't install. Don't listen to his advice, people. <laughs> <laughs> don't install desktop translation software. If you need a quick translation offline, hire a Finnish person. Miko's available. In between plugging yeah. his book. Hmm. Yeah, hit him up on Twitter for translations. Anyway, Miko, mita tarina sinula on mida tala. Miko, what story do you have for this? Us this um, week? Well. I actually want to add something on on top of mm. what you just said about Chromium being embedded into applications. And, and it just reminded me of something I learned last week, uh, which is that Google Chrome, the web browser, actually has a full-blown antivirus program built in. Oh. Um, yes, it's the Chrome cleanup, which you can actually access from the... Uh, from the address bar by typing in Chrome colon settings slash cleanup. And then it will scan your computer and, and, and find malicious programs and clean them up. Apparently, they licensed this from ESET. So it is a real full-blown antivirus product. Our programs have become so huge, you can just throw in an additional <laughs> antivirus and no one's going to notice. I'm, I'm also weird? surprised no cybersecurity companies have launched an antitrust suit against Google for... Uh, you know, shipping this antivirus in with all of their Secretly. popular browsers. And, you know, 
maybe they could claim it's anti-competitive. I don't well, know. Well, they, they they didn't know. They're going to learn about it now from the uh, Smashing Security <laughs> podcast. Exactly. This is where news breaks, people. Mm-hmm. This is it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I've been busy for the last two years on my book project. So I'm really happy I have a book out now. It's, it, it was released in, in early August by Wiley globally in a language all of the listeners can understand, which is English. I did write the book originally in Finnish, and it came out here in Finland already last year. But now it's published by Wiley, and it's called, if it's smart, it's vulnerable. And that wasn't the original title either. Um, the original name for the book here in Finland was simply Internet. Because, surprisingly, nobody had written a book called Internet before, so I did. But um, there, there might be a reason, Miko, why they hadn't written a book called Internet before, because it... It would be terrible search engine optimization for anyone trying to find it online. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's true. That's true. <laughs> and, I, and I did get a couple of like funny-looking screenshots from people who were downloading ebook version of my book, which simply says "downloading internet." <laughs> <laughs> Please wait. <laughs> anyway, we had to change the title, not just because maybe of the reasons you mentioned, but my international publisher didn't like the title. And we went through tons of different English titles. Finally, Wiley simply told me that, that you know, hold on, Mikko, there's a law named after you, the Hyppanen law. We should use that as the book title. So, And this wasn't a law because you had done something wrong. It, it wasn't a, a law it that was It wasn't like, yeah, you're a murderer and we've been... Yes, it was, yeah. wasn't <laughs> throttling people with a ponytail no. or some sort of thing like that. No, okay. <laughs> No, Graham. No, it's not. Uh, f- <laughs> funnily enough, now that you mention it, Mikko Hyppönen is not a rare name. There's plenty of people called Mikko Hyppönen, including a convicted murderer. So, oh, oh, yeah. let's, oh that's interesting. Conspiracy theory, conspiracy theories. <laughs> and this is one of the reasons why I've been trying to get verified on Twitter. Ah. But uh, no, no, no such luck. So you've uh, written a book for the last... So basically, while most of us were wearing pajamas for the last two years during the pandemic, uh, you wrote a book. And so so what did you cover? Can you give us like an outline for our listeners that haven't, you know, read it yet? Well, the title is a reference to to smart devices and IoT devices. And that's one of the big themes of the books, like why everything is going online, Mm. why all the devices are becoming smart. How is that a problem for security? What could we be doing about it? However, it's not just about that. It's actually a combination of the things that I think I've learned over the last 31 years. So there's lots of topics covered, malware evolution, organized cybercrime gangs, online espionage, cyber war, future of information security, and then tons of stories because I know people like stories and I've collected the best stories from my career. Hmm. Yeah, and anyone who's like, you know, listening to Miko now and going, God, he sounds good, right? But does he really know his stuff? I can promise he does. And you could actually, didn't you do a TED Talk once? Mm-hmm. I did, yeah. yeah. Actually, the, the, this book project started after I did my TED Talk in 2011 because I, I was back then contacted by multiple publishers and they were all telling me that, you know, you know, you should write a book. Write a book. We'll publish it for huh. you. All, all TED speakers publish a book. You should do a book, Miko. <laughs> and I, I, I tried for for all this time. I tried, but with the travel rate I've been sustaining for the last ten years, it wasn't going anywhere. So it did really take a pandemic for me to to finish this project. So, Miko, you've you've been working in the world of 
cybersecurity for so very long. Uh, <laughs> well, he's not the, that old. Well, he's no, not like he, ancient. Well, he's he's about as old as me. I mean, what, what is? Um, oh, he doesn't look what, it. What are the? <laughs> <laughs> Carol, please behave. What, what are the, some of the craziest things you've heard about? What, what, what sort of things have surprised you or just been shocking to you? Maybe when it comes to things like, well, you talked about Miko's law, which is the, if it's smart, it's vulnerable. When it comes to IoT devices, what, what are some of the maddest things you've heard about there? Well, I remember when the first Mirai botnet versions came out. That was the first major botnet infecting IoT devices to build denial-of-service botnets. Before that, all denial-of-service mm. botnets were being built from infected computers. And now these attackers were going after something else than computers. And we were fingerprinting infected devices, and we found all kinds of weird things, including heat pumps. So these things people keep in their house, uh, houses to for, for AC and, and for heating. And, and uh, while doing IP range scanning, we found infected heat pumps from this one company. And we actually... And I were able to identify the company, so I called them up. Hmm. And I, I, I ended up speaking with Did this. you? You called them up? You dialed the number? Yep. You would, I yep. Personally? I, I spoke to them. I spoke to them. And they were like, yeah, hello. And I, I explained, hello, this is Mikko Hyppinen. We work you know, with, with information security. They said, you're not the Mikko Hyppinen who's the murderer. They said, you know, can, can just reassure <laughs> I was going to say, Mikko what? Sorry? Yeah. You're not verified on Twitter. You can't be, you know, <laughs> who are you calling us? I should yeah. have never told them about the murderer. You know, <laughs> nevertheless, I explained to them that, you know, there's this massively large outbreak going around. They've built this botnet, which is right now launching an attack against the root DNS servers of the Internet. So the whole Internet is, has been slowed down because of this attack. And one of the nodes which is mm. doing the attack is the heat pump in your office. Mm. And they were like, ah, oh, well, <laughs> interesting. And, and they were like, well, it works fine. Like, we're not going to do anything about it. Like, why would we care? As long as it uh. works and pumps heat, why do I care? And I, that's when I realized that, you know, these kind of problems will not be fixed by the end users. It has to be fixed by the manufacturers. Yeah, 100%. We had someone on recently uh, who was talking about his relationship with law enforcement as a, as a journalist. He was an investigative mm. journalist. Do, have you been able to work with law enforcement to catch people? Mm -hmm. and do you oh, talk yeah. about that in the book? Yep, there's stories in the book about that as well. I've been involved in multiple cases where we've tracked down people. Uh, at least um, we believe the right persons behind various different cases. Then we've worked with the law enforcement. And of course, we can't arrest people. We, we're just company. You know, we're, we're civilians. But there have been arrests and convictions based on the work we've done and, and I cover some of those cases in the book and that is very rewarding but then again I've also learned through these years that when you work with law enforcement with cases like this it is a very one-way road I mean they're, they're very happy to 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 accept information and evidence and logs and things but then they don't really tell you what they're doing until something like an arrest happens Oh, you see, so it's unfulfilling at the time. I imagine that because you pour your heart out to try and do the right thing and you hear nothing. You don't even mm -hmm. get a pat on the head. Yep. Yep. And Have you ever felt frustrated by that, Miko? Have you ever wanted to go in Dirty Harry style and actually <laughs> round? Because it is frustrating, isn't it? If you, if you know who's behind an attack and maybe the law enforcement in that particular country are turning a blind eye or maybe the process is taking far, far too long. Right. Have you ever thought, 
you know, there should be another way of dealing with this. Well, I've been frustrated, especially with the sentences, especially mm. in Western countries, let's say EU countries or European countries. It, it, it's it's um, we're not really giving the kind of sentences that we should be giving if we really would like to show the example to potential new online criminals that crime doesn't pay. This is fascinating. What do you think the typical sentence is and what should it be? Well, I've worked with many cases where people have been caught for computer crime before, they've been sentenced before, they've got probational sentence. They would have gotten jail time, but it's first timer, so you go free. Then they get caught again. They get mm. sentenced again. And me, as a uh, as uh, as not an expert of law, I would always assume that if you are already sitting a probational sentence and you get caught again, now you're going to go to jail. Turns right. out that's not the case. There's been multiple mm. cases where they get found again and sentenced again, and they're still not going to jail. And that's not really giving any kind of an example for potential newcomers. So, yeah. And it, it's scary for us because normally the people that get really hurt in these situations, like in ransomware situations mm -hmm. or all this, it's the customer. It's the customer whose data has been stolen or a computer has been infected from through some provider that they're using. Mm -hmm. And it can be difficult, right? Like no one's there to save you. Yeah, and, and the upsides are so obvious. The, the last time I was here as your guest, we spoke about cybercrime unicorns and about mm. how much money these biggest gangs are making. So there's plenty of young people seeing these criminal hackers as their heroes. Like these guys are driving around in Rolls Royces uh. and Lambos and, you know. Guys, they, seriously, that's not, yeah. They, they want to do the same. And that's not what we want to see happening. I don't even want to see a Lamborghini on the roads. Like, I don't know if they know about the energy crisis, but <laughs> yeah, can you just, can you just not? Electric cars, please. So I've got a follow-on question from that. Sometimes what we've seen is cyber criminals who've become so notorious that they actually have a bit of a public image and they can then be the bad boys and they can start a career maybe as a security consultant or maybe as, dare I say, a TED speaker or a public speaker or something like that. So what? people, Yes, I know. People who end up, they go from the criminal world to the good world, but mm -hmm. they're almost trading on their past crimes. What what do you think about that? Do you think I mean it's better than them carrying on committing crimes? I suppose, but does it leave a bad taste in the mouth? Mm. You can say pass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> it does for me. <laughs> when someone gets caught for breaking the law and they get sentenced and they, you know, pay their dues, they they pay mm -hmm. their their debt to the society. Of course, we as a society should welcome them back as much as we can. That's why we want to rehabilitate all kinds of criminals, including cyber criminals. So I I, I might not be interested in hiring people with a criminal yeah. record, but if they can turn their past into a future career, uh, I'm not really going to hold that against yeah. them. Especially if it, if it helps people, right? If they're providing good advice and solid information. Mm hmm. Mm. It's okay, Graham. Some people do bad stuff. I've done bad stuff before. Now I'm good. Oh, tell us, girl. Tell us. No. What? Please. <laughs> of course I'm not going to. Anyway, it's a great book. I've had a chance to read it. Thank you so much, Miko. Tell us again the name of the, t the book. It is. If it's smart, it's vulnerable. If it's smart, it's vulnerable. Available in all good bookshops and probably on Amazon as well. Excellent. There you go, listeners. Run. Don't dawdle. Carol, what have you got for us this week? 
So creepy crawlies and more specifically the eight legged kind. And I actually should probably issue a trigger warning, right? Because I'm sure some of our listeners might pale at the thought of a spider. And if that's the case, skip forward about 12 minutes to the pick of the week section. <laughs> so let's start with you, Miko. Uh, what's your relationship with spiders? Well, I do like the World Wide Web. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> See. And that's why you're on a comedy podcast. <laughs> no, but if there, was a, if there was a big spider in the corner of your room in your house, mm-hmm. what, what, what's your immediate reaction? And is it different for anyone else in your household? I don't know. I don't really mind them. There's plenty of spiders around here. I think my attitude changed a couple of years ago when I saw a photo um, uh, special in some magazine or newspaper where they had close-ups of spiders and their faces. Because spiders have faces and they look... They look friendly. They don't look scary at all. <laughs> they've got a nice smile, haven't they? Yeah, they, they've got a glint in their eyes. Yeah, yeah they're all right. they got a yeah. smile. Yeah. yeah. So I don't mind. I don't, I don't mind them. They're good at tap dancing as well. <laughs> a clue, what about you? If there's a spider in the corner of your house. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm in England, which means that, you know, the spiders are completely harmless. Um, so I'm, I'm fine oh, with that. Oh, you think so? Interesting. I think they are, aren't they? Interesting. Yeah, no, we're going to talk about that later. Because we had a friend, Graham, actually, do you remember, about 10 years ago? A friend, we were still at work, and a colleague called us in a panic because they wanted to have a barbecue, but they had a oh, great, yes. massive, huge spider that made the, the barbecue lit its home. Yeah, we won't name her, but it's you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we drove over like like an emergency because she was panicked to her, you know. Yes, sir. And tiny tiny little spider in the lid of a barbecue like whatever right at least it wasn't a butterfly those those she was particularly (laughs) anyway i want to introduce you to a arachnologist at mcgill university in montreal named catherine scott dr catherine scott and apparently when she tells people she's an arachnologist she often gets told the story about how that one time the spider bit me and the thing is, Dr. Scott told Annette, if you don't see a crushed up spider near you or you don't see one on your body, it's very likely the bite mark came from something else. Because there's like an estimated 50,000 known species of spiders in the world and only a very few can hurt humans. And it turns out that these fears and misunderstandings about our eight-legged friends are reflected in the news, which is probably why we have such fears of them. Right, yeah. So recently, more than 60 researchers from around the world, including Dr. Scott, collected more than 5,000 news stories about spider bites, published online between 2010 and 2020. And this is from 81 countries in 40 different languages. And the idea was whether or not the article had a factual error or emotionally fraught language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the aim was to find out how much misinformation about spiders was actually spreading and what could that tell us about our world today, which feels inundated Mm -hmm. with this misinformation. Yeah. Uh Well, I was wondering where this is going. So you're going towards misinformation. Uh Uh-huh. Suddenly you thought you were like on National Geographic or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was was about to change the channel. (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. Okay, you guys now, you guys, it's now active time, Miko. So you guys have to guess the percentage. So what 
percentage of articles of this 5,000 they looked at do you think they rated as sensationalistic? Mm. Oh, but hang on, hang on. These are... I'll tell you what sensationalism means if you want. No, you don't need to. You don't need to. I know what it means. But the thing is, well, you can if you want. They, they, no, I'm just saying they had a, a method of measuring it because all 60 researchers had to do the same thing. All right. All right. But you know, it's just... So what you've said is they were analysing stories to find out which of them were sensational, which had a factual error or something like that. I can just imagine mm-hmm. some spider nerd saying, oh, they've called it Arachnus minuscus, and in fact it's Arachnus moroscus, you know, it's Leviosa and Laviasa. And Do you know what's really funny? What? That actually happened. I thought that when I was yeah. reading actually the stuff, because at one point they said they called it an insect and actually it was an arachnid. You're right. You know, it's like, <laughs> and, so that does happen. Similarly, okay. And similarly, we in the cybersecurity industry might say, oh, well, they called it a virus. Actually, it's a Trojan horse. You know? <laughs> and, it's it's just, a- <laughs> and of course, they're going to be sensational because they're trying to sell newspapers. So you will say cyber attack, you mm. know, rather than a cyber infection. And You're defending your way of doing news. No, I'm Cooley. defending the way news. I mean, news has to be interesting to get people to read it in order to learn something. And sometimes you have to use a little, you don't want it to be completely and utterly dull and academic. And similarly, some of the details... <laughs> like, yeah, why? Yeah, get rid of the truth, guys. Let, just make it fun. No, no, I'm not saying get rid of the truth. I'm just saying that I suspect the spider industry, the spider academic world is probably similar to the cybersecurity world in being a little bit nerdy and precious okay. about so, some of this. Okay, I want to know what you think. If I say killer spider loose in London, okay, okay that's, that's my title, say, oh, okay? Would you say that high? saying killer is actually like he has killed something before because he has to eat? Yeah, he's killed flies. You know, yeah, <laughs> killed flies. Right. Fair enough. Exactly. So you would you would argue that, and you'd think that was a, not click Jackie at all. Is this a headline from the Daily Mail? <laughs> I made it up. I made it up. Also, Graham, I don't think there actually is a spider industry. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to quote the New York Times here. Okay. So, so errors which tended to cluster around sensationalized stories of which they were almost 50%, right? So 50% mm-hmm. of them almost were mm-hmm. either rated as sensationalistic because they had words like murder, nightmare, terror, nasty, devil, killer, that kind of thing. <laughs> Spiders yes. are murdering now as well, are they? Exactly. That right. okay. <laughs> the murders. <laughs> So these sensationalized stories would shoot around the world in days from India to China to Poland to Argentina to the U.S. And these would often start at a very regional level where the story would then be amplified by national and then international news outlets. And I think we could we can attest to that because when I used to work for a blog, news blog, we would be looking around for a brand new angle or weird way to explain something. And we found something in Kathmandu that happened to someone that was related to our news blog. We would Mm. have probably tried to report it and Mm. say, you know. Mm. Now, according to misinformation scientists, this is a defining characteristic of modern misinformation, the magnification of small errors that support a certain narrative. So Mm. basically, it's like what we used to call Chinese whispers. It sounds Mm. terribly inappropriate now. Um, but, you know, that idea that as you tell someone and then they tell someone and they tell someone, the story morphs into something completely new. Mm. Now, Miko, this is fascinating for both you and Graham, because the coverage of spiders differed wildly by country or widely and wildly by country. 
Uh-huh. In the U.S., so we'll start there, where yeah. spider coverage was mixed, right? So there was publications with an international or national audience. They were more likely to sensationalize spider news than the regional ones, okay, in the U.S. Mm. Australia, mm-hmm. the home to more dangerous spiders than almost any other country in the entire world, mm-hmm. publications was consistently accurate, rarely charged with emotion. Right. Spider stories in Mexico were deemed almost entirely sensational, while spider news in Finland, Miko, was wholly anachronologist approved. Like 100%. Ah. Even the story I read about the photos of the close-ups of spiders, I'm sure, was scientifically accurate. (laughs) I just wonder... There you go. There's a huge spider industry in Finland. (laughs) That's why they benefit from that. It's like telecoms. Nokia then expanded <laughs> into spiders. That's what they did. Stop it. Now, we head to Old Blighty, Graham, which is apparently the source oh, of yes. the greatest amount of spider misinformation, despite having very few dangerously venomous spider species. So again, to quote the New York Times about uh, speaking about the UK, they have had to close schools many times because of reports of this false black widow, Dr. Mamolis said, noting that black widows are almost never found in Britain or are confused notably with the false widow, which has much less venomous bite. And mm. there were cases of people burning down their houses because of spiders. What? This is what he says. Now... Finland versus UK, does that say anything about your characters, do you think, as well? Because misinformation land versus, you know, proper information. Or our media, maybe. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. It's the Mirror and the Daily Mail. That's what you have to blame, blame for all yes, of Yes, I agree. I agree. So someone, Javin West, an information scientist at the University of Washington, sees parallels between this, you know, spread of sensationalized spider news and the circulation of misinformation in the 2020 American election. Oh. But now we have the 2022 election, which is upcoming, and people are kind of concerned about misinformation circling again, because many of the most circulated articles in 2020 were picked up by national publications, television shows, and social media. So we, we, it makes sense to us, right? So tiny little news stories get kind of mm-hmm. magnified. And it's, studies show that people often trust their local publications more than national ones because it tells you about recent relevant events in your community. Yeah. But as yeah. that information goes national, factual errors end up adding to a narrative of misinformation because you want to add sensationalism, as you were arguing earlier, right? Because you want, you want clicks. You want people to read your article. Mm. So what do you do? Do you have any advice on how to avoid falling in a trap of misinformation? I do. I do have some advice, which I'm very happy to share. Miko has his law, which is, if it's smart, it's vulnerable. I'd like to introduce you to Cluley's law now, (laughs) which is... I'm I'm making notes. If you see the word spider in a headline, replace it with guinea pig and see if you still think it makes sense. If it says killer guinea pig rampages across London, you instantly think, no, that's that's probably not true. Or man dies after being bitten by guinea pig. <laughs> Probably not true, right? Or radioactive guinea pig attacks nuclear power station. is again, not true. So that would be my suggestion. I love that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Because you've already got a lovely view of a guinea pig. A guinea pig's a gorgeous thing with a little fluffy little thing going around eating grass. And all now, what it. if it was a political a leader or incumbent? Mm. Can we still replace it with the word guinea pig? In some cases, a guinea pig would be a better choice. So why not? 
<laughs> might have similar hair. <laughs> Who knows? Might be. Might be. But but for, of course, the real advice regarding misinformation and fake news and all of that is 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 to double check the news, make check yep. the sources, make a Google search. Don't believe mm-hmm. everything yep. by first sighting. I, and I'm glad to tell you that I, in my experience, the younger generation uh, is is much better to. To, to to be suspicious of news which might not be true it's it's when the internet came around it was the parents warning their children not to believe everything you read online uh-huh. now it seems to be the other way around and it's the parents <laughs> who fall for every single goddamn conspiracy theory <laughs> Yeah, listen to your kids. They're always right, 100% of the time. They're never bullshitting you ever. <laughs> that's Carol's law. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Anyone who's listened to Smashing Security over the years will know that we believe that everyone, whether you're a single end user or a business, should use a password manager. And the password manager we're recommending is Bitwarden. Millions of users around the world, including many of the world's largest organizations, trust Bitwarden to protect their online information using a transparent, open-source approach to password management. You can effortlessly manage all your passwords and logins backed by end-to-end 256-bit encryption. And for the enterprises out there, Bitwarden recently added skim support, making it even easier to provision and manage users. For password security you can trust, get started today with Bitwarden. Learn more at bitwarden.com slash smashing take security of your passwords and logins more seriously by visiting bitwarden.com slash smashing and thanks to bitwarden they're great folks for supporting the show gigamon is the leading deep observability company it offers a deep observability pipeline that harnesses actionable network level intelligence to amplify the power of observability tools enabling companies to conquer blind spots and overcome the threat of today's sophisticated ransomware attacks. Gigamon's latest report into the state of ransomware reveals how insider threats are evolving, what impact cyber insurance and blame culture are having on the cybersecurity industry, and why deep observability is the new frontier for tackling the ransomware crisis. So, what are you waiting for? Download the report today at www.gigamon.com slash smashing. That's www.gigamon.com slash smashing. And thanks to Gigamon for supporting the show. Collide sends employees important, timely, and relevant security recommendations for their Linux, Mac, and Windows devices right inside Slack. Collide is perfect for organizations that care deeply about compliance and security, but don't want to get there by locking down devices to the point where they become unusable. So instead of frustrating your employees, Collide educates them about security and device management while directing them to fix important problems. Sign up today by visiting smashingsecurity.com slash collide. That's smashingsecurity.com slash K-O-L-I-D-E. Enter your email when prompted and you will receive a free Collide goodie bag after your trial activates. You can try Collide with all of its features on an unlimited number of devices for free, no credit card required. Try it out at smashingsecurity.com slash collide. That's smashingsecurity.com slash K-O-L-I-D-E. 
and thanks to Clyde for supporting the show. And welcome back. Can you join us at our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website or an app. Whatever they wish. It doesn't have to be security related necessarily. Better not be. Well, my Pick of the Week this week is not security related. It's also not a book that I've read, a funny story, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website or an app. Oh. What it is, is I was out, I, I, I popped around to a friend's house the other evening, and I was chatting to some other people that I hadn't met before, and they were telling me about a party game that they'd played. Hmm. I didn't, I haven't actually played this party game yet, but they described it to me. They'd been at a party. <laughs> Go on. And it sounded like it was a bit of fun. And I thought maybe some of our listeners, like me, are intrigued and might want to try it next time they have a party. Or maybe some listeners have already tried this. And they can report to us what happened. They can report back to me whether I should bother doing or, it. Or maybe someone should should invite Graham to a party. Yeah. That would be nice. Yeah, And meanwhile, it? Graham will attest that it's fantastic and give it a huge amount of advertising. Well, Let's go, Graham. <laughs> my pick of the week this week is not a game you can buy. It's a game you can just play. All you need to do is buy some tortilla wraps. Okay. Okay. Get yourself some tortilla wraps and uh, a quantity of water. And what you do is you fill up your mouth with water, right? So, so your mouth is full of water, right? Imagine that. I can't speak while my mouth is actually full of water. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to use your imagination at this point. I'm picturing it right now. It looks beautiful. You and the other person have got their mouths full of water, right? Like almost a bursting. Yeah. And the important thing is that you should not laugh. <laughs> and you should not drink the water or, of course, spew it out. And then you take a tortilla wrap and you put it in your hand and you play with the other hand, you play rock, paper, scissors. So, dunk, 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 chink, you know, like rock, 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 scissors or whatever, you know, and whichever one beats the other one. You know how rock, paper, scissors works. So you're holding a tortilla in one hand, you're holding yes. water in your mouth. Water in your mouth, yes. Yeah, and yes. Uh, with the other hand, you're playing rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. You know how to party. My freaking God. Right. And um, one, of, one of you is going to win the game of rock, paper, scissors. Okay. At which point, you slap the other person around the face <laughs> with the tortilla wrap. Okay, now it's gotten more fun. And their, <laughs> their job... Their job is not to laugh or spew out the water. And indeed, you mustn't laugh at their reaction <laughs> of being slapped with a tortilla wrap. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is what the middle classes are playing in England today. And I thought I would share that with the world. Don't you think that three weeks off was fantastic for you? <laughs> Look! It's a lot better than some of my past picks of the week, let's be What's honest. What's really sad is you didn't even freaking play this. You had three weeks off. You're just I'm reporting. I'm going to. I'm going to next time I'm at a party and have some tortilla wraps. I'm going to say, oh, I know what we should do now. I'll come around to yours, Crow. Have you got tortilla wraps at your place? <laughs> Miko, would you play this? Uh, no, no, I would not. <laughs> Why? Because the hair or? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dignity? I'm sure we, we, we can come up with much better party party games, I'm sure. I look forward to you coming on the show again and telling us what your new party game is. It's going to be my, my pick of the week next time. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Miko, what's your pick of the week? Well, my pick of the week is actually going to be a movie because 
I spent the beginning of August doing the full hacker summer camp in Las Vegas. So that's B-Sides Las Vegas, then Black Hat, mm-hmm. and, and then DEFCON. And that's that's like a week in Vegas. That's enough. Well, you know, Vegas, is, is it's, it's a tough place to be for a week. But actually, this time around, it wasn't that bad. My favorite place to hang out in Vegas is Pinball Hall of Fame, which has 400 mm-hmm. pinballs. I'm a big pinball fan. And they've moved, they actually built a whole new facility on the strip. So it's actually now closed. It's actually walkable from the Mandalay Bay Hotel, which is where the Black Hat is, is held nowadays. So does, does anyone walk in Vegas though, seriously? Well, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's very hard. In fact, my step counter for the first day of DEFCON told me I did like 16 kilometers of walking, which was just going back and forth <laughs> between the different hotels. So it's, it's quite crazy how big it is, but, uh, Nevertheless, Pinball Hall of Fame is walkable from Mandalay Bay. That's what all that mattered to me. Now, yeah. my pick of the week isn't going to be Pinball Hall of Fame. It's going to be a DEFCON movie, a movie called DEFCON, the documentary. Um, let me read the description from here. DEFCON is the world's largest hacking conference held in Las Vegas in 2012. It was held for the 20th time. The conference has strict no-filming policies, but for DEFCON 20, a documentary crew was allowed full access to the event. The film follows the four days of the conference, the event, and the people, and covers the history and philosophy behind DEFCON. So that was 10 years ago, and I spent the return flight from Vegas watching this film, and it's it's great. It's almost two hours going through the history and, and how... DEFCON works, and it interviews everybody who's involved, obviously Jeff Moss, who founded DEFCON, Jeff, who wrote the foreword for my book, is, of course, very much in there. And this whole project was organized by by Jason Scott, which some of you and some of the listeners would know yeah. from his work at the Internet Archive, which is the place where you can download this documentary for free. We'll have a link in the show notes. Amazing. Fantastic. Sounds like a really good watch. Thank you for that, Miko. Crow, what's your pick of the week? Okay, I'm kind of regretting my pick of the week now. Oh. Because <laughs> it's me. The... It's oh. me. <laughs> but you're picking yourself. Yes. Because, listeners, I'm not talking to Graham. I've got my blinders on. As you know, as you know, I've been working on, you know, doing art stuff and becoming an artist in the last few years. And earlier this year, I was part of like Oxford Art Weeks and sold some paintings and that was exciting. And Largely because many of you sent me words of support and encouragement, I thought, screw it, I'm going to enter a few paintings into the Oxford Art Society Open Exhibition, and one of them got selected. And it was like a super big honor. And Graham, you even came, didn't you? I did. I came to the exhibition. And can I? What a great exhibition. Your art, it was fantastic, by the way, Crow. I haven't told you this yet. It was so great seeing your art up there on the wall. I was so excited. I was so excited. All alongside these other childish scribblings by other artists. <laughs> oh, come on. There's so much great no, stuff. There, there, to be honest, there were, there, everything was... Ri- well, no, there was a couple of rubbish things. But, but most, <laughs> most of it was really good. Um, yeah. And I was very, very impressed by the uh, selection of art which was up there and very proud as well to see one of your paintings there. It was tremendous. Thanks, buddy. Well, Carol, I'm, I'm browsing through your website right now. Actually, you are good. And, uh, you know, oh. this is great. Thank you. Miko, I'm blushing. <laughs> now, what makes the story even cuter is the painting was inspired by a snap that my mom took of her neighborhood in Ottawa, Canada over the summer. 
And even better is the first time in four years, my parents are visiting me in the UK and they're going to get to see the painting of her photo in the show. And she doesn't know yet. Ah, yes. Um, so as Miko said, if you want to see my art, you can. Okay. Crawl WTF. <laughs> That's a website, really. Crawl.wtf. And it works. And, but I would suggest also, and I'll put this in the show notes, the Oxford Art Society um, has the whole exhibition online. Um, I wouldn't say it's a, a super slick uh, user experience, but you can totally see all the art that's there and you can even buy some. And if you're in Oxford, get your butt down to SJE on Ifley Road and go see more than 200 paintings of Oxford artists. And it's really, cal it's high, caliber is high. It's quite cool. It was really good. It was really good. And can I, can I have two more minutes? I want to say thank you really for helping me. So I have a painting called Treehouse 2, which I'm going to send the original to a lucky listener. So if you like the stuff and you think it's cool and you would like to own an original, okay, that was painted just last week, all you got to do <laughs> is write a four-line poem about Miko or... Smashing security. Your choice. What? Yeah. Miko or smashing security or both. <laughs> Nothing rhymes with Miko. <laughs> Send your entry to studio at smashingsecurity.com by Monday, September 5th at midnight. And oh. the winner will be announced in the show. And maybe, Miko, if we get a winner, you'll want to send him one of your books as well. Yeah, absolutely. We will. We will. We, 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 with an autograph and dedication. Absolutely. Exactly. Oh. All right. This is now becoming a goodie bag. But the poem thingy, because nobody can come up with a word which rhymes with Miko unless there's some kind of a weird sicko. <laughs> Make it rhyme with Hippanen instead. That'd be so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's my pick of the week me and the oxford art society which has been a brilliant experience okay so get get your poems about the podcast about miko or about Carol's art or whatever to studio at smashingsecurity.com by the end of monday the 5th yep to be in with a chance terrific yay well, that just about wraps up the podcast this week. Mikko, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online, find out more about your book. What's the best way for folks to do that? That's Mikko.com, M-I-K-K-O.com. Fantastic. And you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity. No G, Twitter wouldn't allow us to have a G. And we've also got a Smash Insecurity subreddit as well, so find us up there. And don't forget to ensure that you never miss another episode. Follow Smash Insecurity in your favourite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. And massive, massive thank you to this episode's sponsors, Bitwarden, Collide, and Gigamon. And of course, to our wonderful Patreon communities. Thanks to them all. This show is free. If you want to see episode show notes, sponsorship information, guest lists, and the entire back catalog of more than 286 episodes, check out smashingsecurity.com. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Miko. Oh, it was painful. Was it? No, it was fine. That was great. Was you great. were great. We talked yep. a lot about your book. We had a cute angle, right? I think the yep. angle is cute there. The, the, the angle for this episode is self-promotion. I think it? you'll find my pick of the week was the best this week. I'll just say that. <laughs> Slap a tortilla. <laughs>
I'm going to try that with my parents tonight. <laughs> okay, right. bye. Thank, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Miko. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you're a god. Thank you. Cheers. Bye bye. Cheers.